Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in various ways, but the two most popular are on the blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you at the most efficient way to get the podcast by entering Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and the show pops right up. So, go ahead and jump right into the action. Um, just wanted to spread the cards out because I did it. To a Thursday show for a Saturday event, and then I was like, man, it's going to be a little quick to come back, so I wanted to wait a little bit, so I'll do Saturday today, and then I'll go ahead and uh, get back to my Monday schedule a week from today, but I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the glory card, uh, which was the biggest card of the break period, and um, we see once again the dominance week over here, Vin. Uh, we see some of the uh, the greatness of Cedric Dumbe, uh, and we just see just a, a a great card from top to bottom, so I'll go ahead and start rocking through it. First, we start in the bottom as Martin Picas gets a victory over Muhammad Bali. Bali was a sh- a late uh, uh, notice replacement or short notice, if you will, replacement. Um, he fought, I thought, to the best of his abilities, considered the situation. But Martin Picas is a guy who I've mentioned on the podcast before. He's a talented guy. He lands a head kick and then follows it up with some punches, and he's able to stop it in round three. He adds more to the heavyweight division, and he fits in today's heavyweight division. What I mean by that is he is a technical guy that's got a pretty good chin. And uh, I'm working on, like, several highlights right now. And in one of them, one of the illusions that people have of the 90s kickboxing heavyweight era, it wasn't the most technical of fights. Like, if you watch some of those fights, a lot of times there were guys that were just Big and strong and trying to kill people. Now, there, of course, was technique. I'm just saying it was clear to me from watching um, kind of the uh, story of that era and revisiting those fights that there were some talented people that were just bangers. You know, it just kind of came up like that. So um, Martin fits in today's day and age of a big skill guy. And it's important to have those. You know, uh, you want to have people that can kickbox, who play the game, who can... Um, both deliver clean combinations and kicks and still have some bite in them to, to let the big shots go. Martin fits right in there, and I'm excited to see more of him in future. Luis Tavares beats Dangi Abenya. This is a big win for Tavares. Now, a lot of people were a little upset with a few things, some of the tactics uh, uh, that they saw from Tavares, but in the end, I thought Abenya had a really good shot of, of winning this. I thought he's a stronger, more consistent kickboxer. But Tavares is doing extremely well. Um, he's not a hitter, and I think that's kind of what kind of takes people away from him. He's not a big power puncher, but he's super talented and um, gets this win. You know, I uh, can't remember the scorecards of this, you know, off the top of my head, but I thought Tavares won clean. Um, Abenya's still talented, still super young. You know, we're talking about a guy that's, you know, 23, 22 years old. So he's got time to develop into one of the better fighters in the world. Uh, and the story of kickboxing is filled with people who fight guys at a young age, who, who you know, fight tough young and then get better later. So I think Abenia will be fine. A good win for Luis Tavares, who should be right in order, or one or two, um, probably one, <laughs> for the uh, glory, um, you know, light heavyweight championship. But, of course, once I talk about that fight, looks like a rematch is coming as far as, you know, uh, the light heavyweight championship is concerned. But good one for Luis Tavares. First title find the cards, uh, Tiffany Van Soost defeats Aline Pereira. 
Aline had a tough draw. Uh, I think the excitement of probably being on the card with her brother and, uh, you know, just uh, having a couple wins in glory already probably pushed them to jump at this opportunity a little bit early. But it's not the end of the world that she lost to Tiffany Von Seuss. But it was clear Tiffany Von Seuss is a world-class kickboxer who has gone against world-class opposition uh, wins and losses uh, for a very long time, you know. Denise Kielholtz, um, you know, of course, Nissa Mexican. And, you know, you look at her resume and you see there is a long, long, you know, even Kayla Reese, long, long history of going against the best in the world. She's not just a world-class fighter. She's fought world-class opposition. Aline has not fought world-class opposition. Uh, you know, she Shamini was probably the toughest person, and Shamini is a legit competitor. Uh, but Shamini was uh, fought a, a weight class down when she was at the IFMAs, and she had those great runs at IFMA. Um, so she was the bigger, stronger person there. And then, as I mentioned before, Crystal Lawson is not the type of person that would, you know, uh, prepare her for the level of competition that Tiffany Fonsoust is. She was game and strong, which is why she was able to go the distance. Just the skill was the difference. So there was nothing that, it wasn't her effort, it wasn't her game plan. One person was more skilled and was more used to going against high-level competition, so that person had the advantage in the fight. Uh, Aline, still young, still time, just needs to get more fights. You know, just got to fight as much as she can and just keep building her resume. It's going to be some wins and losses in that journey, but she's got to keep building that part of her. As for Tiffany Van Soost, probably got to uh, revisit the women's roster and bring in other talent. You know, they, they had a couple of things set up at the time before COVID hit. So now we've got to say, okay, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to do this? Um, hopefully it comes together nicely and uh, uh, she can continue her reign and, and build on the, the win that she had over Nissa Mexican that got her the title. So good stuff. Next we're going to talk about Rico Verhoeven as it gets unanimous decision over Hesdi Hegas. Pretty much beats him easy in terms of clean kickboxing. You know, he's got the combination of low kick game. He plays the, both inside uh, uh, the, he uses the power leg to the outside lead leg and he uses the power leg to the inside rear leg, which is a super high level. Uh, boxing's always been strong. Um, he proved that he was the best in the world. I joked about it, but I also am very serious. Nobody won this week more than Hesdy Hegas because uh, his career is pretty much, this is, gives him one more chance at one little run. I don't know how long his contract is. Maybe he gets three fights, whatever. But really just showing up at a press conference, talking trash to Rico, who had already beaten him twice. Rico's outburst afterwards, um, it earned him a significant, significant uh, step-up op you know, opportunity. And, you know, like I said, the Bellator thing didn't work out. He had two MMA fights. He was stopped in one, lost the decision in the other. Um, he didn't have any buzz, and he's been in the game for a long time. When he got the... Uh, Kick on the when uh, Badahari kicked him on the ground. Um, I think that was 2009. So we're talking 12 years ago. So that's how long this guy's been in the game. He's now heading into his late 30s, and this got him one more run, one more opportunity to be at the highest level, uh, go against the champ, which is real rare to do. And then uh, maybe he gets a couple fight deal out of this. I'm not sure how it's going to go. Uh, he could be used as a, you know a person who you can test young talent against, but. Shout out to him. He really did something well with it. Rico, of course, moves on in the tournament. Tariq uh, um, Gababes is still a super talent, but Tariq is starting to make himself a must-see action uh, fighter in the heavyweight division. 
He goes against Hezzy, or he goes against uh, Levy Rickers, gets a majority decision victory. Uh, Levy did fine, and he's young, and he's an up and coming guy, and I think he's going to be good. I'm actually kind of happy that he didn't get to fight Rico in this one. I want him to build his brand a little bit more, and he's kind of new. Uh, great fight. Tariq always brings it. Um, just a uh, must see. Must see. Entered. I mean, Tariq is a guy who I think. When you want someone to fall in love with kickboxing, he's going to be the name, one of the names that you push people for. So for a long time, I've been saying Jeff Shanti is legit. He's super talented. He's very, very good. Um, he has the ability to be the best in the world. As you saw, I fought for the title, fought very tough. But most importantly, Jeff Shanti is must-see TV when you watch this guy kickbox. He is a clean, beautiful executor of combination kickboxing flow. Tariq is starting to turn into one of those kind of names that I bring up. Somebody says, who should I watch when I watch kickboxing? Uh, you know, I'll butcher his last name. But when I bring him up and I say, hey, watch this guy's fights, he is consistent, all action. And just, just it's great just to watch people on Twitter um, as they uh, got excited. And they were like, hey, man, this guy brings it. So good stuff for him. I'll go ahead and wrap that uh, tournament up by saying Rico then meets Tariq, uh, stops him by low kicks in the uh, first round. I saw this on Twitter, and I mean this sincerely. I don't mean it to come off as a jerk. But to me, Rico Verhoeven stopped Tariq by low kick. It was a low kick stoppage. He was not able to answer the bell because of low kicks. And I'm a big fan of the contender Asia and what it meant in Muay Thai and kickboxing in its time. Now it's old. That's like, it's like 13 years old when the contender Asia was out. But I remember it. And I remember... Uh, they had the American fighter, and he loses to Sean Wright by low kick. And I remember he's sitting there, he's talking, uh, and he's like, man, come this far, and to lose by a cramp, cramp in your leg. So he didn't lose by a cramp in your leg. You got kicked in your leg, and your leg was in too much pain to continue to fight. That's kickboxing. That's the game. And that happened in a Muay Thai fight. So um, uh, I think that was Rodriguez. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, I was that kid from Hawaii. I'm trying to remember his name. But anyways, uh, the story is if you get take damage to the legs and you can't continue it is not a cramp as if your body wasn't hydrated and then all of a sudden it had some sort of spasm in, in you know in your uh leg thigh arm shoulder whatever if that spasm happens to be in the same place where you get kicked you lost by low kick that's just it doesn't mean you're a bad fighter just means you lost by low kick today you went against a really good fighter rico verhoeven beats Tariq by low kick awesome stuff awesome awesome stuff uh, Rico proved again why he is who he is. Shout out to him for doing a tournament, fighting the two fights. Uh, he lost his original opponent, who's way different style than the guy he fought in this, fought in this tournament. So, you know, he was going to go against uh, Jamal Ben Sadiq, who doesn't fight like any of the guys that he fought. But because he's the best, he adjusted it on the fly. Uh, kickboxing was smooth. Hopefully, they bring him back in the summer. He seems like he's ch chasing a super fight. Uh, the name of Remy Bonjowski was thrown around there. Maybe something that they're going to try to do in the summer. Clearly, Remy is older and won't be the same level of guy, but he'll bring this a huge amount of interest. You know what I'm saying? Like, remember, Remy Bonjowski won the K1 Royal Grand Prix in 2003. That was his first win. So now here we are in 2021. He is not going to be the same guy. And it's not like when he wanted, he was 20. You know what I'm saying? He's an older guy, 44, 45. And Rico wanting to fight him because he's a famous name is really smart. I think that's a great idea for him to try to make that fight. So hopefully in some form of that, maybe it gets, uh, you know, Remy one last 
big paycheck before he rides off in the sunset. Remy's after-fight career has gone extremely well. His gym had a lot of success. I think he opened a second gym. Uh, I, he's been doing commentary. He's still got, uh, I mean, he still looks young, hair, you know, no hairline. Like, just, just he still plays the role extremely well. But um, he has done well for himself in his after-fight career. But he's always open to come back if somebody throws a big check at him. So uh, if they can make that happen for Rico, give him a super fight this summer, that would be dope. Next two fights I'm going to talk about, and uh, next two fights I'm going to talk about is, sorry, I had a slight hesitation. Um, we'll go with Alex Pereira versus Abakadoff first. On Twitter, I had said the joke before the fight. I was really curious to see the fight because, to me, Artem Bakadov had the chin, but he had the kickboxing ability to score and, and, um, and space and, uh, as, I mean, he's just a super talented guy, but he's hard to hit consistently a lot. You know, uh, he can move, he can switch stance. He's, he's good at boxing. Like he's just a super talent. He's got that Russian style of the, the you know, the Artem Levens, and they all have that style where they don't necessarily play power, mean, you know, walk you down stuff. They, they almost play spar and they, you know, find big offense within their place barn. So like. I thought he had a good chance going into this. Alex Pereira, of course, in his prime, winning by stoppage all the time. He comes out hot early, throwing heat, you know, uh, finding his big offense. Uh, but Artem Vakadov didn't go away this time, uh, and that meant he was going to have to win with kickboxing. It seemed to me that the early flow of the fight went to Alex whose power usually sustains later. He's got some stoppages. He beat Abinia uh, with stoppage in the fourth round. It usually sustains later. But this time, the veteran guile, the fight acumen of Vakadov kept him moving around, uh, kept him finding the right opportunity. He clearly took over the second half of the fight. It looked like it was going to be an easy decision. I remember on Twitter, I think I posted, I thought that there was a good chance that Bakadov could go 4-1. And I remember a guy on Twitter was like, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? When he saw my post, he re, you know, retweeted it. And then when the scores came out, one was 5-0 and the other one was 4-1, if I remember correctly. And I was like, that's what I was talking about. But the other three gave Vaca, or, uh Pereira the first three rounds. They gave him the early rounds. They thought that he had done enough, if I remember correctly. And um, he gets the, he's now the official champ champ. Uh, the feeling was definitely different watching it live. They show the uh, um, expressions on their faces. He clearly thought he was going to lose. And then, you know, kind of has this, you know, moment where I got the decision and he screams and he gets his hands high. Whereas Artem Vagadov was. Looked like he was disappointed, but he didn't look like he was devastated. He was like more like, dang, I thought I won because that's just his demeanor. He's a real cool guy. <laughs> I talked to him in Denver after the Glory Kickboxing Show, and even after he wins, I feel like the expression is the same. But uh, Pierre, Andron's the owner of Glory, uh, came out and said, hey, I want to get a rematch. I thought that Vakadov won clear. Um, it was... It was fun. It's got some drama. It's got some intrigue in the weight division. And hopefully, Vakadov, who's got a hand history that's probably just as bad as Georgia Petrosian's, hopefully he's good and he can come out and they can do this in the summer and uh, we don't have to wait forever for a rematch. You know, I would love it even better if they could do it in, like, April. Uh, I don't want to wait forever on this one. But good win uh, for Pereira, uh, and it helps his legacy when we look back on his whole fight career. 
We then move on into Cedric Dumbay getting a second round uh, overhand uh, KO stoppage. And man, I said it on Twitter, but when I mean it, I say I'm not afraid to say something. Basically, what I'm saying is this. I am open to all arguments. I'm open to all arguments from anybody who wants to argue, who wants to, you know, um, uh, uh, make a case for someone else. I'm open to it. In my opinion, Seji Dumbe is the best welterweight kickboxer of all time, in my opinion. And the guys that I've seen since I've been in the game now, again, I usually don't like to say that term because there's nothing more important than time. Because in mixed martial arts, I hate when people talk about the greatest. But, you know, for me, the history of mixed martial arts in terms of being greatest, I think that the year in which I'd really start considering that term would be at earliest 2007. What I mean by that is that's when the resumes of people beating other great people really started to form for UFC, for example. And then for... um, uh, for Pride and, and, you know, Bushido and stuff like that, whatever, I'd say I'd go to about 1999. But even then, I don't look at the resume of a lot of those guys outside of once we get into the Fedora era uh, and Vanderlei Silva and stuff like that. I don't look back at that era and think, man, this produced the best fighter of all time. There's only a few that I would produce in there. But as you can see, the, the history is very, very short. So um, uh, I believe the best combat sports athlete of all time is Sugar Ray Robinson. Sugar Ray Robinson, who, you know, had a stretch where I think he was like uh, 146 and one at one period of time, you know, like just I look at his history and uh, how many times he's got more title fight knockouts if I remember correctly, more title fight knockout wins than Mayweather has wins. Like, when I look back at, like, greatness, I look for something dominant in a you know period of time. But, most importantly, there's been a whole bunch of people to fight in the divisions that Sugar Ray Robinson has fought at. Boxing started, you know, the uh, um, Queensbury rules and the, you know, commissions and the, you know, success that you would see in, in boxing, um, you're probably looking at the late 18, you know, 90s, and then you're going into the 1900s, and, and, and uh, you know, you're going into the era, of course, that we know where, you know, your Holyfields, Tysons, Ali's, you know, like just great people who put in great boxing uh, resumes throughout the years and became a part of the culture. I say, man, there's a hundred years of this. There's enough time in this era for people to look at it and go, Okay, that's the best. You know what I'm saying? There's enough time. With kickboxing, we tend to forget that the history is actually pretty good. You know, you can go into the 1980s and you've got a whole bunch of guys that were successful who then kind of, you know, moved into TV and movies and stuff like that, whatever. So there's some good history to it. But in the 90s when it was at its its height, you know, I'd say 94 to 2002, in that era, the big thing was the heavyweight division. 
So when people look at the history of kickboxing, they're okay with hearing the answer is going to be from a heavyweight. You know, like you say a name, you say all-time great name. It's okay to say Semisol. It's okay to say Rico. It's okay to say Peter Arts. It's okay to say Ernesto Hoos. It's okay to say those names because the history is a little bit longer. When I think about the welterweight division, I do not feel people think the history is very long. I think they go immediately to, uh, you know, and rightfully so, Nikki Holtzkin. Uh, and Nikki Holtzkin and where he sat in history and what success he had, um, he was the first person to sustain the division, to come out, win for several years, uh, all-action kickboxer that you wanted to see perform. So your eyes are locked in on this guy, and you get to see how he performs at the highest level. It is extremely important that we realize Nikki Holtzkin's position in the history of kickboxing. When I first saw Dumbay, who lost his first one to Kangulu, I remember I'm watching him and I'm like, this guy has the potential to be great in this game. I remember saying it on the podcast. This is way before I knew what his resume was going to be. Um, so after his kickboxing and Muay Thai run in France, he gets in there, he has the Kangulu loss, and then he starts to, sh- to go on a streak after that, has a lot of success. He is not just winning. And again, if I'm you know, going to go back to this fight, uh, there was a pivotal moment where Mirtha Grunhard tried a jumping knee, flipped out of the ring. He looked like he hurt his back a little bit and then kind of battled back. But from the beginning, Cedric, who knows that Mirtha can kind of find punches in between and who knows that Mirtha has these explosive spots, he level changed. He moved in slow. He got Mirtha to back up and look at him lower, and he was able to fire the right hand over the top and land clean for the KO. Um, but now that means, and Mirtha Grunhardt, who's probably one of the all-time great KO killers in the history of kickboxing, now we're starting to look at the resume. We're starting to see Alinda Bayev doesn't really get stopped, gets knocked out, you know what I'm saying, by uh, Cedric Dumbe. Um, and he got revenge in a previous fight. Um, you look at Mirtha Grunhardt, gets KO stoppage. You look at how he wins his title back. Uh, for Gregorian, and you're seeing this guy is not just winning, he is winning by KO at the highest level. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter with an all-time resume, and I think it's the stoppages that helped me say I'm not afraid to say this guy's the best of all time. And there are divisions in combat sports where I look at it and I go, let's just wait, let's just wait a little bit longer. In this particular case, if he was winning by decision, uh, and then I'd be like, hey, you know, let history kind of, you know, get ahead of it. But I don't think you need to do that with this guy. This guy is out there winning by stoppage against the best in the world. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. I cannot believe um, how great he has become because I really did think he was going to be a good kickboxer. But I thought he'd be a, a he'd win it with the mind. You know what I'm saying? He's got a sneaky, he can go combination low kick from one stance, switch the south sta- uh, southpaw stance and give the exact same combo from a different look and just keep playing the game, keep playing the game. I'm like, dude, this guy is awesome. Now, again, there's great fights out there for him. Hamish is a fun one. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Trey Jones is a fun one. There are some really good options out there for him. But I'm hoping as he continues his legacy and continues to fight at the highest level, that people understand what they're witnessing. You are 
watching a Ali level in their prime. You're watching that right now. You're you're watching, you know, the the who can beat Peter Arts uh, mid '90s. Like you are watching something special. This is not something that you are going to see all the time in the combat sports. What you are witnessing right now is special. So enjoy it. It's great. It's phenomenal, and it's really going to make kickboxing grow and be phenomenal down the road. Going to go ahead and move into, you know, speaking of Cedric Gombe, a call-out that came from Artur Koshenko. Now, he's done a few of them throughout the years, and each time he does them, he's usually asking for the best guy at 170. One of the all-time great resumes in the history of, of combat sports is uh, Artur Koshenko, who's got wins over Alex Pereira, <laughs> you know, Alex Pereira, and he's got, you know, uh, wins over Andy, Andy Sauer, and just when you look at it, I'll be here all day talking about it. He's an all-time great, an all-time great phenomenal kickboxer who's been a champion over several weight classes. Beat Nicky Holtzkin, as we mentioned before. So, like, if that fight were to come together, that would be super dope. Uh, you know, their K1 and is planning the huge event in the summer, uh, or uh, in Japan in the summer at the Tokyo Dome. It would just be tears to my eyes, wonderful, if Glory was able to combine with them and then they were all able to make these super cards. But we'll see. Time will tell. In the end, I'm just excited about how talented some of these athletes are and, and how talented some of these fighters are and that I'm in an era where I've got an all-time great guy who still still got it and he's calling out a young, hungry, best-in-the-world, uh, best-of-all-time champion in Cedric Dumbay. We just need more of it because I hear all the time about kickbox is dead. It's not going to do as well and that kind of stuff, whatever. But there always seems to be a new star and there always seems to be a new fight. So shout out to them. Really, really great stuff. One championship announced a card. And, um, man, I guess I got a couple thoughts. So the first thing is this. So they announced the card for February 26th. Uh, the card has got Rateng versus uh, Rivas. That should be good. Uh, the um, flyweight kickboxing title between uh, 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 Alyssa uh, Anahashi versus Superlek. That should be fun. Um, Wonder Girl against Jackie Bunton. She's finally getting her first opportunity. Bunton's been signed to one championship for a long time, like 10 months. So, uh, you know, COVID hit. She didn't get her opportunity. She's going to get Wonder Girl. That's a tough first fight. But, same time, you know, Bunton, who plays the game, uh, it's more, if you've ever seen her fight before, she's a U.S. fighter who um, uh, trains with uh, um, Pop Joy in uh, California. I can't think of the name of the gym. But, like, um, uh, plays the game. Um, her and Janet Todd are teammates. Uh, good kickboxing, you know, uh, has good rhythm to how she plays, understands the clinch. She fights slow. There's one advantage that I think Wonder Girl has. I think Wonder Girl has a little bit more of the advantage in terms of turning up the velocity of her action. But Jackie is, if you want to see the sport performed, it is beautiful when you watch her perform. Like, the whole crowd stops and watches her because she's, you know, when she does the amateur events when she was, in, you know, on that scene. Jackie's legit. She can fight. So, um... That should be a fun one. Uh, Akimoto versus uh, Sean Long should be a fun one. Petrosian, Georgia Petrosian versus Javik Kiria, I'm not going to lie, that was disappointing. It was disappointing to hear because of all the matchups. 
that they have. You know what I'm saying? And all the talent. And they've got a super roster. They've got one of the great rosters. They have the greatest roster of lightweight fighters, featherweight for them, but 154. They have the greatest roster since the K1 Max. Like, they have a big-time roster. And to think that I had Tayfun Askin as an option, you know what I'm saying? To think that I had, you know, Superbon as an option. To think that I had all these options and Devit Carrier was the answer I got. I'm not going to lie. It was super disappointing. So they'll go on, put on their fight. Kyria, it's, you know, he's he's punching so much harder, you know, uh, in the division. Like, he's he still brings that pop to the game. Since his glory days today, he can still punch. But it's still Georgia Petrosian, so he should have a very... Uh, clean decision, you know, and again, I'm going to break the fight down more when we get to that fight week, but I look back at this time, and I'm like, man, disappointed in that one. Disappointed in that one for sure. I wanted a different answer. Just me personally. I really did want a different name. So, that should wrap up the podcast. I mean, there's a couple of other notes, you know, uh, uh, Asahasi, uh, excuse me, Asahai, Asahi, PK Zedjai Jim signed with, uh, in the Super Bantamweight uh, division. Um, he'll be in one championship. Uh, he's the current WBC champion. Talent is now the problem with one championship. That is not their problem. Uh, we just need a little bit more of a map so that we can understand how title fights are fought for and decisions are made in that direction. So, But other than that, um, another good signing, and it's cool to see a lot of guys in Thailand who come from poor areas who had success in the stadiums, who are now getting that opportunity. So it's super cool. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. I will be back in one week, and I have not forgotten. I'm going to talk about shoot boxing and what it was, why it was great, and the disappointment of what's happened in the last four or five years with it. But other than that, congratulations. Great job, everybody, for staying with kickboxing and loving the sport in downtime. So be safe out there. Take care, families. One of my students... Lost both of his grandparents to COVID. So make good decisions, okay? Um, God bless. Be safe, everybody. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Peace.